Welcome to the Words of Belonging podcast series produced by Belong. I am your host Yoshita Shivastav. I am the literature collective associate at Belong. In this series, we speak with authors and writers and explore their writings in depth, covering themes of diversity and inclusion. Listen in to conversations that focus on how gender, sexuality, caste, ability, ethnicity, religion, and other kinds of identity-based bias show up in our myths in Indian language literature, even discussions around modern internet. understand the role of translations and the importance of debates about contemporary feminist and lgbtq plus movements and many more such topics hope these conversations help you see the world in a new light hello everyone thank you for tuning in my name is lasya i am the partnerships and community manager at belong welcome to yet another podcast episode where we speak to authors today we are speaking to radhika gupta who is one of the youngest female entrepreneurs or business heads in financial services she's the ceo of edelweiss asset management and you might also know her from the famous video that went viral called the girl with the broken neck today we are here to speak to radhika about her book called limitless the power of unlocking your true potential i personally loved reading the book because the advice or the rather the memoir etc whatever genre you would like to put the book into it really is very practical vulnerable and very real i thought for its genre also i personally loved reading a book of this genre from a woman's perspective it's been published by hashet india and it's out on shelves now you can buy it at your nearest bookstore or order it online hi radhika thank you for joining us today hi great to talk to you thank you so i'm going to jump into the questions so like i already mentioned it's not really often that we see books of this genre written by women right like i am at that stage where i am honestly quite tired by like reading long twitter threads that men write or like <laughs> yeah there's all this advice that only really applies to other men who have that social position already so while there are many important books written by women in the space you know that has been lean on etc that has come yeah. it's less often that brown women have penned them you know however this is now changing day by day how was your approach coming to writing this book were you aware of that position that you were like actually like that gap that you were filling you know it's interesting as we're talking about it a couple of thoughts come to mind and i i was a little aware of writing of the space so i think women have written books younger women and indian women have perhaps written less books and the other thing is so most of the books have been written by female ceos who are much older or a lot of the books have been written on issues that are very targeted to women the challenges women have the workplace etc i would say very you know they they are a genre that caters to women i wanted to write the book as something that is just my experiences and i hoped they would relate to men and women both but i hope that since i was one of the few women writing or uh, there would be a connectivity to young women because some of the issues are common like i talk about imposter syndrome in the book and i i think that's something a lot of us go through i talk about asking for opportunities i think when i've done so many sessions talking to young women you know you almost every time you say you were girls when you need to go out and ask for something you just see them like looking at you in the eye and nodding so i was hoping some of these issues would resonate even though it's not a women's book so i knew it was a little bit of a unique space yeah it's so interesting that you say that actually because you know as i was reading the book the other realization that came to me is also that 
the advice in this sounds far different from like how you'd usually read like what you'd get to read in books like this because somewhere like i think your experiences are telling off where you come from right so we don't usually get to read something so realistic something so raw about rejection or vulnerability for that matter mm-hmm. in most books of this genre right like they already come from a very top of the pyramid men kind of approach mm-hmm. so it was just very interesting to read it for that reason you know and that actually brings me to you know you speak a lot about self awareness and how has your journey been since the girl with the broken neck to now when it comes to telling your story like what has happened through the years and what made you write the book finally so i would have never written this book before girl with a broken neck because sharing stories honestly comes from a place of tremendous self confidence i think vulnerability requires a lot of self confidence and i don't think most of us grow up with tremendous self confidence at least i didn't it's not because of my background i was brought up that way but as i say in the book your teenage years your own struggle with your imperfections looks rejections i think all of this kind of eats at self confidence but what that video did is it just transformed my mind as to the power of telling and sharing stories and it convinced me that you know you don't need to showcase your good side your successes which is what we are brought up to do and i was brought up to do that to connect to people rather i think showcasing the vulnerable bits sharing the stories honestly is what builds that connect so i think that talk gave me that and till today i get messages about the talk so i did that talk i did a subsequent podcast and i saw how the reaction changed so i was very clear that whenever in fact after the talk a lot of people and i've been writing on social media i keep saying this that you know one of the platforms i'm very active on is linkedin and a lot of people use linkedin to share professional successes i got promoted this happened to me this happened to me and my argument is well you can also share when you had a bad day at work and what it taught you and i've been doing that on multiple platforms and i think that's actually what pushed me to write a book because a lot of people told me compile all these into a single book and the other thing i would want to add which is a little unrelated is i also realize i'm writing this book a little young and a lot of people told me not to write it because of my age but i felt that a younger age would let me talk about some of the issues you mentioned like rejection struggling with criticism some issues that are more raw and basic rather than a very you know what you would talk at 55 or 60 when your voice changes and i think your conversations are more about leadership and strategy and those are equally valid but this is a voice at a different age so i just felt this point in time would be very interesting to put something down yeah thank you so much for mentioning that actually the other thing that i really related with since you're talking about writing it as a younger person was the part where you talk about grunt work i was yeah. just not enough people talk about this all job descriptions are really fancy and this is a challenge that i probably faced earlier on in my career and i now face with my junior teammates who like refuse to do that kind of work it was really interesting i agree with you like if it came from someone much older that perspective would have been forgotten i feel but it's so interesting that that's also noted here and that's spoken about that you need to do that kind of stuff is just so interesting i think you speak about it when you were talking about like noting down time at like the job in mckinsey ah, it's the memory that doesn't go yeah. out of my heads and yeah. i've told that story at my workplace a lot i'm in a very glamorous profession so to say which is financial services 
But even when we have young analysts join, they complain that they're sitting and looking at Excel all day or doing our version of grunt work. And I keep telling them, if you don't do the grunt work, you know, I mean, nobody is going to expect that you're sitting in a boardroom and white smoke is going to emerge at the age of 22 or 24. It just does not happen. Yeah, that's so true. That's so true. More people need to have that awareness, I think. Yeah, I just love the fact that you mentioned that in the book, actually. So the next question I had was, you know, you talk a bit about how your career is your responsibility, specifically when you mention your hesitation to attend, say, cocktail parties, right? That was something I found very interesting that like, I also used to like earlier on have this reservation to like go to networking events. I probably still do a little bit. Could you tell me more about how maybe, say, like, I don't think I got to read that in the book, but did your identity and self-perception, maybe your gender or social position or your race, since we're talking about Pennsylvania here, keep you from, like, being more forthcoming in such scenarios? I mean, maybe less forthcoming than others with different identities have been? I don't know if it was race or gender. I mean, I, I give the example of my husband today and very close friend and classmate. And he was just a lot more out there. Now, maybe I think being a woman, you generally tend to be a little bit of a minority at these events. So that definitely did not help, although I've seen very confident women. So gender maybe had something. I think my own lack of confidence and constant fear of rejection at these events. You know, because when I say this in the book, when you walk into a room like that, and I've seen this, you know, I'm on the other side of the table now. People are scared to approach you. There's a tremendous fear of rejection. And the easiest thing to do is just avoid that confrontation and step back. There's also a belief that, and this I think is a little bit more of a woman thing, that I can get away without doing this. Look, you know, as long as I do a really good job at work, I don't need to go out and network, you know. I mean, everything else should take care of itself. If I'm a really hard worker, everything else will work. And that I don't buy, which is why I say your career is your responsibility. And nobody's job is to go and say, oh, you know, that quiet little girl, Radhika, she's sitting in the corner, she's working very hard. I need to do this for her. That's nobody's job. It is your job. And that means you have to network. That means you have to find advisors and a board of advisors, all of that stuff. That means you have to ask for the training. That means you have to know what lacks in your skill set. All of it really falls on you. I mean, would you expect anyone else to do it? That's so interesting. And every word you're saying, I relate to it so much. But it also like reminded me of the first two chapters of your book, right? Like when you speak about rejection and feedback, I feel like the core of the whole thing is just like somehow vulnerability, right? Because like you're vulnerable enough to accept the rejection or the feedback that you're getting your way, then you can just, I mean, there's strength in vulnerability and you can use it to like I think move forward to the next step it's just so interesting that you mentioned that and the other thing I wanted to ask you was you talk about say work environment and the fix it attitude and how one can focus on making it taking it to the better attitude what have been some of your challenges internalizing such changes over the years explain that process to me. that is an unconventional chapter but it is one of my the whole chapter around change, adapting to new environments, not having this fixed attitude is probably one of the more unconventional chapters from books. But it's one of my favorites because it really comes out of personal experience of growing up through so much change. And I work with a lot of people and I lead a lot of people. And funny enough, you know, I see people struggle with this more often than you think. 
and i've been reasonably good through life about adapting through changing environments because of whom my father was and you know the fact that we moved around every 3 years but i definitely had this miss fixed attitude and i see it today even last night i was at a conversation with someone who had just joined my team and was doing an event and he kept trying to make the point that listen i've come here and x was broken and i've come here and i fixed it and it is something that you see so commonly and i'm saying you don't win over a new environment without a little bit of humility and without saying that listen this is not broken we just need to make it better so i think it comes from a very personal space of seeing a lot of this by the way in offices and it came from a lot of self awareness i think that whole bit came from a lot of feedback that people gave me in my early days as ceo i also think we're not sometimes as cautious of the language that we use and the impact it can have on people and this is one of my learnings managing especially young people today that the little things we say the little things we do actually have a deep impact on how people think yeah that's so true and i think the little things are also what other people pick up on and that's what is given in feedback sessions as well and like we tend to like ignore them sometimes i had a you know exit interview and we do exit interview just to get feedback on how we're doing as an organization and there was a case where someone told me that you know someone told me one word and i felt really offended and i said what was that one word and the person said someone in the organization in a meeting referred to me as a risk and you know in my world we've often said okay you know why we have four resources to do this three to do that but she said i didn't like being called a resource i'm a living breathing person with different dimensions and i'm not just a resource and it's subtle nuances like that that you know i mean a younger generation of people is actually making me also sensitive hmm i think we are also like as a society or as a work organization culture world over we are moving towards being more careful with the words that we are using it's so true thank you for bringing that up i actually have one question that that's kind of a follow up but i was also watching all your videos and like reading your interviews and something interesting that i wanted to ask you about was you earlier mentioned linkedin there was one interview of yours that i read somewhere that you spoke about how a lot of limitless is probably crowdsourced because a lot of the things you you thought about while answering questions that came to you on say linkedin how was the collation process what was it like it was long i have to start by saying that it'd be interesting to know that the collation and curation process was longer than the writing process much longer because i wanted to force think about the issues i wanted to talk about and that was really crowdsourced as i said so i usually put out little posts on twitter on linkedin on other platforms and i tried to think about some of the posts that asked questions where people had opinions that what important even i i looked through a lot of the feedback on my videos a lot of the comments on that the themes that perhaps resonated with people so I spent a lot of time looking at themes I also spent a lot of time delving into my own experiences and thinking about the themes that I had struggled with I'm not a social expert I'm not a psychologist I'm not a professional at this I'm just someone sharing experiences so I also wanted to use issues where I had a story to tell so I think coming through these sort of seven chapters and the sub chapters was hard and then I think going deep into myself and finding my stories that I wanted to share and the examples that resonated because i i was also clear that you know if it's just me talking about my stories it becomes very very boring and mundane 
So I think putting that together was about seven months, believe it or not. And writing after that was actually much quicker. So Limitless is essentially the curation that just took a lot of thinking. Thank you so much for that. I have actually an additional question to that, which actually like something that interested me while reading the book was there's a lot of varied references, if I may use that word, yeah. like uh, referring to Amita Bachchan, Vidya Balan, Dil Dhadakne Do, Kuch Kuch Hota Hai, Zindagi Na Milegi Dubara. It's all there, you know, dear Zindagi. There's so much Bollywood here and there's so much cinema. But there's also like you're referring to your real life incidents and things that other corporates have said. What was the research process? How much of it was very organic, like being the movie fan that you mentioned you are? How was that experience? It was very organic. And you're right. Everyone's telling me the Bollywood references stand out. And I am a huge film buff. And I'm a film buff in the sense that when I watch movies, I remember all the lyrics and dialogue. So like, I probably haven't watched that many movies, but I, I enjoy words. So I, I remember all of that. There's also a lot of references to characters. So there's Alice in Wonderland and there's Tom and Jerry and there's stuff like that. And then there's stuff from literature like Napoleon. So the references are very organic. These are quotes that I grew up with or things that were close to my heart in some sense. You know, I didn't want references for the sake of having references. If you notice, there's not a single sports reference or cricket reference in the book because I don't claim to understand a sport and I don't like sports, including cricket. And I know it's the most popular thing in India. So it was very organic to me. I looked at things that meant something to me. I looked at things that I could connect to. And that's how they came together. There was a little research, yes, but they were all things that... I could connect to. There's a reference to kindergarten kids uh, because my mother has taught kindergarten for the longest time. And I keep hearing those stories. Every day when she comes home, she'll tell me some story about something that happened in kindergarten class. And that inspired some of the references. So very, very organic. Thank you so much for that. And there's like a lot of conversation about thank god i'm flawed right there's a chapter of that also i want to just understand what your process of self-acceptance has been like i think people have helped me find self-acceptance as i said i think the talk gave me a lot of confidence because even people who have felt judged me a lot before the talk when i saw their reaction to the talk i was like hey people actually don't judge you so much and after the talk, funnily enough, my designation has been MD CEO, Edelweiss Asset Management for the longest time. When I started doing speaking events, a lot of people asked me, can I write MD and CEO, Edelweiss Asset Management along with the girl with a broken neck? And I said, really? And sometimes I felt awkward. But I said, hey, that flaw that we're talking about actually is matching my title and designation. And I think that was a real wake up. And, you know, gradually, as I said, I started telling stories. And each time I've told a story of failure or vulnerability, I also talk about pregnancy, by the way, in this book. And when you see the way some of these flaws and failures connect, I think you're just inspired to talk about it more. And with Limitless also, some of the feedback I'm getting is people are coming back and sharing more of their stories with me, which is just amazing. Mm. Yeah, there's also pregnancy now that you're also speaking of promoting the book, etc. There's so much of so much to unpack here. And it's just so interesting. Like I think like I'm very, very inspired and interested in your journey. I have touched upon this before, but 
there's real talk about vulnerability in the book and i really as mentioned before really love that and you also stress on how ceo should take their capes off right like in one of the lead chapters and vulnerability as i said before is like a great strength so what advice do you have for like women at workspaces or in leadership positions to navigate this and still be their authentic selves you know like acceptance etc or people in general what advice would you have vulnerability is hard at the workplace yeah. and it's hard for women i remember getting told 3 4 years that if you're perceived as too emotional at work too vulnerable at work you won't get taken seriously and i know a lot of men and women both struggle with this issue and i think you have to strike the balance Between being vulnerability does not mean you're a softy when it comes to business. I genuinely believe that you can live a life where you can be vulnerable with people and get really, really aggressive with business. Uh, because anyone who knows me also knows I'm a very, very aggressive business person. So yeah. I think that balance actually can be struck really, really nicely. In fact, if you are more vulnerable with people. sometimes you can work more aggressively towards a goal together because you just know each other a vulnerable organization is one where people know what makes someone tick mm. what makes someone upset people understand each other and it's not just me as ceo with my direct reports it's all of them it's the team that comes together and there is tremendous chemistry and when there is chemistry work actually happens better because you realize decisions get taken faster layers of bureaucracy just get you know they just disappear and things move uh, so i like to say it always we are a very fast organization because we don't have these layers of bureaucracy the team has chemistry so my advice would be i think for leaders start understanding your people's stories you have so much time to do that there are so many forums we travel together we talk together we take car rides together understand your people not through their education and work experience but through what makes them take what is their back story what frustrates them what drives them understand people through their stories their relationship with their children i know this for my team members and i think that is really really important and the second advice i would have and especially for women is when you are vulnerable share your struggles honestly and also ask for help i think the only way i have been able to get through the last seven and a half months with a full time working schedule and everything else that is going in my life and this book and everything is because i've been able to ask for help and i do talk about that in the book and people will give you help so when you don't stand on a pedestal but when you're part of people you ask for help they help you like they would help any other family member yeah that's so true one of the reasons i also asked you that question is like with women it's often tricky right there's this book called invisible women where talent creator perez talks about the words that are used against women at a workplace if you're vulnerable or like if you're showing that sensitive side you're called meek and not yeah. aggressive enough but if you're assertive then you're called aggressive you know it's such a walk on a thin rope kind of situation for women at workplace especially in like their demeanor and disposition and stuff like that like it's just so interesting that like you caught it too and you just spoke about that in your answer one final question would be just from in your words what can one who wants to read this book expect from this book when you read the book i think it is a collection of ideas and thoughts to help you realize 
your full potential and to make the very best of yourself. And as I say in the introduction, I think all of us have incredible potential if we choose to shed the baggage and let it go. So I think it's a collection of ideas and thoughts around that. And they are told through my experiences, even though it's not a memoir, other experiences I have related to, hopefully with a touch of uh, humor and a little bit of fun along the way. But that is really what it is. And hopefully you will read some of those stories and experiences and connect them to something in your workplace or your life and start perhaps thinking about them. I don't pretend to have solved any of these issues. I don't think sometimes you have to say a bunch of new things. Often when you read books, you're like, what's new in this? It's not that, you know, there's a new discovery that will come out. But it's a way to think through some very, very important issues that are at the back of our minds and think through them from the lens of stories. I'd encourage you to read the book. It doesn't have to be chronological. It could be any way. You know, just find connections with those stories. Yeah, that was also as honest and real as the book. Uh, thank you so much for that. To everybody who's listening in, if you haven't already, you should definitely watch The Girl with the Broken Neck video. And also, I really loved and enjoyed, like genuinely loved and enjoyed reading this book. So you should definitely get it as soon as possible. And it's very relatable. It finally feels like something that you can directly relate with has actually like come out of it now. So you should definitely, definitely get it for yourselves. Thank you so much for joining us today, Radhika. Thank you. 